0: All right, let's go ahead and get started this morning. Good morning, I'm glad you guys are here. It's good to see your faces. And thank you to those of you that have your cameras on. I love to see you. Um, And I'm just glad that we have this um, avenue to get together. It's not my favorite, I'd rather be in person, but I'm thankful that we have some way to see each other and to meet up together. So thanks for being here and being so consistent about being here on Sundays on Zoom. Um, I just want to take a second to encourage you guys um, again to look at your newsletter. If you're not signed up for the newsletter, please get signed up. Um, everybody has a different preferred mode of communication and we cannot do all of them. So the newsletter is going to be our primary one. If you're having trouble with your newsletter going to your spam folder, Josh said to try replying to that um, email. And then it'll tell your system that that's a real person and not spam and it should go to your other folder. But if you do that and you're still having trouble with it, contact Josh Robinson and he can hopefully help you work out a way to get that into your folder and not your spam. Um, But our worship activity comes out in our newsletter so that you can have time to think about and pray through the activity and actually have something to share with your group on Sunday mornings when we meet up. Um, It has a lot of dates in it, it has upcoming activities, it has links to sign up. Um, so just make sure that you take time um, to read that. This morning, I'm going to do just a brief um, sermon and then our cohort is going to share the second part of um, their survey results and their encouragements and challenges from that. Um, And then we're going to do our worship activity. So that's kind of what you can expect this morning. I can remember when I was a little girl, how much I loved hearing my parents tell stories and how much I loved looking at old photographs. And one of the things I particularly enjoyed was my baby book. So I had a baby book and it had pictures and it had like a little um, lock of hair and it had little notes about different things that had happened and things I had done. Um, And I just really loved hearing my parents tell the story of when I was born and what it was like when they brought me home from the hospital. Um, And I think it was important to me just because it gave me a sense of how I belonged to my family. And last week, Brad asked the question, do you know our story as a church? And are you part of that story? Like, are you just here because someone invited you, which is fine if you're just now starting to come, or have you been here for a while and you still don't know much about who we are as a church and where you fit into that? So this morning, I'm just going to take a couple of minutes And I'm going to briefly tell our story as a church and how that fits into the larger story of the Bible. And before I start, I want to give um, credit to the Bible Project. They have a video on the story of the Bible that I used to organize some of my thoughts. And then I also used Acts chapter 7 and Hebrews chapter 11. So those are kind of the reference points for that. It's really hard to summarize um, and tell the story of the Bible. Like there's so many different themes and so many different nuances. And it's the same with the story of our church. And so I'm going to obviously leave out a ton of things, uh, but this is my best attempt to do it quickly for you. So the Bible is about God. I think that's the first important thing. It's about his character. It's about who he is. Um, It's about his plan, and he has chosen to include us in that story, but it's not primarily about us. It's primarily about him, so that's the first thing we need to recognize, and it starts with creation. It starts with just this disorder and chaos of an uncreated world and how God puts order and brings beauty out of that, how he creates humans, and he puts them in charge of uh, the meaningful, life-giving work um, of, of what his world, his created world, needs. And humans face the choice of letting God define what is good and evil or making that choice on their own. And so they choose to define good and evil on their own. That's the choice that's represented with the tree in the garden And when they do, it results in fractured relationships, which we see with Cain and Abel. It results in violence. It results in living for what's best for me and not having concern for creation and for other people. And so God scatters the people. And the next characters that we see are a man and woman, Abraham and Sarah, that come out of that civilization. And God promises that through them, there's going to come a new people, a new nation, and there's going to be another chance to make the right choice. And this is where we read the story of the nation of Israel and how they choose God and how things go well when they do And how that when things go well, they start to rely on themselves and think that they're the ones responsible for all of that. And they give in to that temptation to define what is good themselves. And so then they are taken into captivity and they cry out to God and God hears them and he rescues them and the whole cycle starts all over again. And we read that cycle throughout the um, history of Israel. And this is where we read stories about rulers and judges and kings um, people like Jacob and his 12 sons, Moses and Deborah and Gideon and David and Samuel and many others. So God sends prophets that are to speak his words to the people and to warn them. That the choices that they're making is going to result in them being conquered and led away from the promised land they've been given into captivity and into exile and that's exactly what happens to them Um, but the prophets say that that's not the end of the story that god's going to send a new leader and that new leader is going to transform hearts and minds so that humanity can make the right choices And the Old Testament ends with that promise not being fulfilled. It's just kind of left hanging there at the end of the Old Testament. And so in the New Testament, we're introduced to Jesus. Um, He comes from a line of Israel's kings, which is important. Um, He's a man who said he was bringing all of God's promises to completion. So the end of the Old Testament, we're left with those promises just kind of hanging there. And through Jesus, he says that he's come to complete those promises. His sacrificial love, we read, is more powerful than evil and even more powerful than death. And so once again, we face a choice. And once again, interestingly enough, it is at a tree So we started with a choice in the tree of um, the Garden of Eden, and now we have a choice at the tree of the cross. Um, We can either stick with the old way of being human that results in um, death, or we can choose a new way which leads to life. And those who choose the way of Jesus are filled with the power of God so that as they are loved and forgiven by god they can in return love and forgive other people but that power comes from god we see this in the in the lives of the apostles like matthew and peter and john as we see how jesus transforms their lives and before jesus leaves earth and returns to heaven he does this really crazy thing He puts his disciples in charge of finishing the work he started here. And because he leaves the disciples in charge with a perpetuating job to do, like they pass it down, then that includes us as well. So he leaves us in charge of finishing the work he started And so these these movements of people that are following Jesus spread quickly and new communities are formed of people who are following Jesus and living like him. And this is where we pick up the story of Paul and Timothy and Titus, the stories of churches like the church at Corinth and the church at Ephesus. And if we fast forward almost a couple of thousand of years and we get to where our family of churches enters this story. So in 1997, a group of about 40 people were called by God to start a church which is the Garland Northeast Church. And we started in a warehouse in Garland. And by March of 1998, we had outgrown the warehouse And so we moved to the Walnut Village Church of Christ building, and we rented space from them. Within a few months, the Walnut Village Church of Christ decided to dissolve their church, to gift their building to the Northeast Church, and to become one body of believers. I can say that in a short little sentence, but if you listen to that, that's a pretty amazing sentence. That is only something God can do, that a group of believers would choose to gift their building to another group of believers and join together and become one. That's the power of Jesus that lives in us. The mission of the Northeast Church from the beginning was to make and mature disciples to the glory of God. And as we worked to fulfill that mission, we realized the value of the small local congregation of believers and of planting churches. And so out of that one small church in Garland grew the focus ministry. So all of our campus ministries came from that. Um, And then specifically the Wiley Northeast Church and the Arlington Church. The Wiley Northeast Church in turn planted the Denton North Church. So that's us, obviously, and both Wiley and Garland gave a substantial amount of money to us, along with their encouragement and their guidance and their prayers. And so Denton North Church started meeting on the campus of UNT once a month in the fall of 2013. And in the fall of 2014, we started meeting every week at the Martin Luther King Rex Center here in Denton. As the focus ministry grew, um, one of our strategies was to have each campus attached to one of the churches in our family of churches when that was possible. And so in 2013, we had a very large focus ministry here on the campus at UNT, and we had started one on uh, TWU's campus. And that's a big reason why we planted the Denton North Church. So college students, please hear that. You are important to us. You're the reason that we're here, the reason that we started this church in Denton, and you're a big part of our story. We wouldn't have a story without you. Our other goal was to provide a church community for students that graduated and wanted to stay in the area to be a part of. And it's been so much fun to watch our church grow from about 85% college students to now about 60% non-students and 40% students, because we've had people choose to stay here when they graduate and to make their church home with denton north church we haven't had any um, babies or children for a large part of our church life but now we have babies we have toddlers we have older elementary children Um, and so it's just been fun to watch how god has grown us and the work that god has given us to do in denton is to live like jesus Um, and to make and mature disciples within our area of influence. And so where we live and where we work and where we go to school and where we worship, one of the many things that I appreciate about our family of churches is that we share buildings and we share equipment and we share staff and all of our resources, but each church is free to live out the mission in ways that work for our specific community. And so as our makeup of our church changes, and as our culture around us changes, the specifics of how we make and mature disciples will change, but will always be about Jesus's work of making and maturing disciples. So the question is, what is your part in this big, crazy, wonderful story? What is our part as a church community in this story? And so I want to go to Hebrews chapter 11, and this is often called the Faith Hall of Fame. And it tells about creation and Cain and Abel and Enoch and Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses. It tells about the walls of Jericho falling down. It tells about Rahab saving the spies And I want to pick up after that in verse 32 of chapter 11. And I'm going to read 32 through 41. And it says this. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, about David and Samuel, and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment They were put to death by stoning, they were sawed in two, they were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. You might have noticed that I said that I was gonna read through verse 41. And you might have noticed that there is no verse 41. And I believe that's because it's still being written. I believe that verse 41 says, by Faith Troy, by Faith Alexia, by Faith Joyce, by Faith Sterling, by Faith Quincy, by Faith Ricardo, by Faith Grant, by Faith James, Hazel, Willow, Kike, Ezra, by Faith Denton North Church. Do you get the picture? All of us are part of the story from the youngest to the oldest. And I think the exciting question with the mission of making and maturing disciples is who is the next name to be added to that story? Is it a coworker, a classmate, a neighbor, a friend at the gym? Who is the next person? Jesus left us in charge of his work. And the question we need to ask ourselves is when he returns, will he find us being faithful to do the job that he's left us to do? If you need some help getting started with this or getting restarted in fulfilling Jesus' mission, then I would ask you to do these two things this week. The first one is to pray for the lost around you to know Jesus. Maybe you need to set an alarm on your phone to go off at the same time every day to remind you to pray that prayer. Maybe you need to choose one day out of the week that that's going to be your specific um, need to lift up in prayer. Maybe you need to ask a friend to pray with you to help you remember and to help make that important If you're part of an LTG group, that's supposed to be part of our LTG time together is praying for that lost in our lives to come to know Jesus. And so if you're not doing that in your LTG, I would encourage you to make that a part of that, but pray for the lost around you to know Jesus. The second thing is be alert. God is always working around us. He's always working in people's lives. And each day we should be looking to see where God is working so we can join him in that work. So be alert to where God is working around you and join him in that. And that's a very simple, um, here's how you can get started or restarted. Um, If you want to talk about that some more, though, there are plenty of people in our church that will talk through that with you. I would be happy to sit down and do that. So would our small group leaders or our um, Chula leaders or our cohort or our elders. There are plenty of people that will help you think through that. And if maybe that was the first time you've kind of heard an overview of the story of the Bible and you want to know more about the Bible, We have plenty of people that will study the Bible with you and help you to learn more in depth the the story of the Bible and how you fit in. The Bible closes by pointing to a future day, um, a day when all wrongs are going to be right, when evil is going to be eradicated, a day when heaven and earth are going to be united, and when humanity can rule the world together in love and power that God gives and with God. That is good news. That is the gospel. And that is our story. Let's pray together. God, I thank you so much for um, the people that have come before us, uh, the people that have worked to create a community that we can be a part of, people that sacrificed to send money to Denton North Church so that we could be here and so that we could do uh, the things that we do in fulfilling Jesus's mission. I thank you for the people you've brought to the Denton North Church, and I pray, God, that we'll be faithful to making and maturing disciples to your glory. I pray for the lost around us, that you'll open our eyes, God, to who those people are, uh, that we can be a blessing to all people around us, and that we can point um, to Jesus and to his love and that we can love like him. And um, God, I just pray that we'll see where you're already working and that we will join you in that work. And I pray that um, in all of our inadequateness and in all of our messed upness, um, that you would use us anyway, Lord. And We thank you for saving us. We thank you for loving us. In Jesus name. Amen. I'm going to turn it over to our cohorts now, and Manny is going to talk about personal faith, and Hannah is going to talk about discipleship and mentorship, and I think that those things directly relate to our story and to what our mission is, and so I hope you'll listen carefully to what they have to say.
1: All right, Uh, thanks, Leslie. Um, uh, As she said, my name is Manny Samide. For those who I don't know, Uh, I've been going to DNC since about 2019. Um, Before that, I went to UT Dallas and was part of Focus for five years and went to the Northeast uh, Church of Garland, um, like Leslie was just talking about, uh, for a couple of years, too. And I'm part of the cohort, um, which is across all the family of churches. And that's why I'm sharing about the Mission and Vision stuff today. Uh, So like Leslie said, uh, just kind of that reminder of like who we are as a church. Um, Our mission is to make mature disciples uh, to the glory of God. In addition to that, the vision is to be a place where hearts are turned to God and lives are changed. And I think when we read that, um, at least for, for me at least, I can tend to think of that as just outwardly. But I think the inward piece of our own personal faith is just as important. So we did a survey um, uh, back in December about just um, where we are as a church and just feedback to the DNC. And one of the questions that we had there was, how would you define your faith during this season? And this season is a little ambiguous. I mean, it can mean 2020, it could mean the season of life, um, but regardless, uh, these were the, the answers. So about 32% of our church uh, said that they were stagnant. And also just a reminder that we had about 40 people uh, respond to the survey. But 32% felt like they are kind of stagnant in where they are with their faith. Uh, About 19% of the people said that they're kind of in between the stagnant and the strongest they've ever been, which was another answer. Um, But that's kind of like the ups and downs and uh, showing that they're growing but not necessarily stagnant, but not necessarily strongest either. And 44% of the church felt like they, their faith is really at the, the strongest that it's been, uh, which is a really encouraging number. And a couple of people said that they are struggling now more than ever uh, with their faith. And I didn't want to gloss over this because um, it, it is just a couple of people, but there might be more people out there that may fall into this group uh, and those people may not, have been interested in taking the survey, or maybe just feel con- disconnected from the church. Um, but I just wanted to uh, address this and just show that there are people like that within our community still. And um, for those that are in this place, just say, just let you know that that you are seen, and this church wants to be here for you. And we acknowledge that this is a hard time to be growing spiritually. But I would say the key takeaway from from this question and what we've learned is that 63% of our church feels like they're growing in their faith during the season, um, which is just a really encouraging number. So how this ties back into the mission and vision, um, I think we should be assessing where our personal faith fits into the larger mission and vision. So I want us to plug ourselves into the mission and vision uh, and ask these questions of ourselves. So since the mission is to make a mature disciples to the glory of God, Uh, we can be asking, am I maturing as a disciple to the glory of God? Can you look back on the season and see how God has been growing you? And for those who may feel stagnant, consider how God may still be shaping your heart, though you may not feel like it. Sure, you may not have read the Bible daily or prayed as often as you could, but the Spirit may still have been working you in ways that aren't super obvious. And if you're not maturing as a disciple, uh, what's stopping you? And most importantly, how can this community help? And I'll touch more on that of how the community can help a little later. Uh, but then also with the vision, uh, to be a place where hearts are turned to God and lives are changed, asking and plugging ourselves there, it's, is my heart turned towards God? Am I desiring the things of this world or am I desiring God? Are we putting our trust in ourselves or in this world more than we are God? So how do I know if my heart is turned towards God or if I'm maturing as a disciple? Well, one of the things that came to mind is uh, just, are we bearing fruit? We should be like a tree planted by a stream of water, delighting in the law of the Lord and bearing fruit in season, like it says in Psalm 1. And Jesus also says in John 15, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. A branch cannot bear fruit by itself. And then another thing you can ask is, am I conforming to the character of Christ? And to know this, we need to really know Christ. This is an ongoing pursuit in our knowledge of God and not just knowing about him, but truly knowing him and walking with him. So, And as you walk with him, knowing what he's commanding and obeying him. And I think why this matters um, is ultimately because it's God who changes people, not us. As Paul says in Philippians 2, it is God who works in you to will and act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Additionally, the spirit of God is transformative. God loves us for who we are, but but he also doesn't leave us where we are. When we abide in him and spend time with him, he changes us. our love should also leave an impact on others. It's God's grace and love that changes us from the inside out. It should overflow from us and positively affect those around us. So it's not about us. It's about God and it's about others. And some of the challenges that I have uh, for people that are in these current stages of faith, um, tying it back to the survey, for those who are stagnant, I would just challenge to look beyond yourself. Are there excuses that you're making or lacking in maturing as a disciple? You can consider the things that may be holding you back from growing, like it could be a lack of discipline, a lack of energy, because it's been a really tiring season, uh, a lack of connection, a lack of accountability, or even a lack of hunger for God. But it's hard to make progress when we're trying to do it by ourselves. And looking towards God, we can uh, pray to ask him to help us and to change us and help remove those barriers that we may identify. But we can also ask him to give us a hunger for him. And with that submit to where he leads us. And additionally, uh, we can be looking outwards towards our community. We can be putting ourselves in position to be known by and served by and mentored by others in this community. And I would say the practical challenge for those who feel like they're in the stagnant place of their faith is to seek mentorship. And for those that are strong um, or or kind of in this place of growing in their faith, um, where it's not exactly stagnant, but not exactly strong, I would would give the same challenge. um, And that would just be consider your impact on others. Are you aware of those around you who are not doing well? The strong builds up the weak, as it says in Romans 15. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and to not please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good and to build them up. So I would reflect how is your growing or strong faith impacting those around you within this community and without with uh, outside of our community and the practical challenge I have for those that are in this place is to uh, seek to mentor others. And the challenge for everybody, regardless of their place in faith, whether there's the one struggling or stagnant or strong, I think we could all benefit from being part of an LTG, like Leslie was saying earlier. And when we saw the data on the participation for LTGs, half of the people either fell into the sometimes realm all the way to never. So half the people aren't even very engaged um, with going to LTG. So what is an LTG for those who don't know? The purpose of an LTG is to be a place where disciples grow and mature within the context of close community. And I think in terms of direct impact on your personal faith, I would rank one-on-one ministry first, and then LTG, then small group, then big church. And not to say that those other ones aren't important, but I think in terms of the personal impact on where you are with your faith, I think one-on-one LTGs are, are great uh, opportunities for that. And for those that don't know what it looks like, it's made up of two to three people of the same gender who meet consistently for reading, discussing scripture, spring on each other, and having personal accountability in areas of their spiritual growth, development, and day-to-day happenings of their lives. And if you want to join one, or you need to need help re-engaging with your small group or not small group LTG, um, maybe people have moved away. Uh, I would take the initiative to start that back up. Um, you can reach out to me, you can reach out to Sean Garza uh, or Hannah Ortega uh, for the women's side, uh, since they're gender specific. Um, But you could also, if you don't want to reach out to them or don't know how to, um, we have a sign up for this on the website, uh, Denton North church slash discipleship. And overall, uh, just in closing, I think it's just really encouraging to see where our church is, um, I think we're doing really well. Again, that 60-something percent of people that are are strong or growing is really encouraging, especially since this has been a season of hardships, uh, uncertainty, and unrest. And through all of it, our hope and faith in God is still strong and growing. And I would just encourage us to stay involved and stay connected to the body uh, with one-on-one mentorships, LTGs, and small groups. And if you've struggled this season, I, I think it's okay. Like we acknowledge that it's it's a, been a tough time, um, but I would just encourage to lean on your community and to ask for a prayer and to seek mentorship, um, be vulnerable with your community and be known by your community because you have support. You have a church around you that is filled with people that love you or would love to get to know you. And then lastly, I just wanna thank Brad and Leslie um, for their pastoral leadership. Uh, several people have shared in the open-ended responses of, of the survey of how much they've been encouraged and challenged um, by their sermons. So just wanted to say thank you for their pastoral leadership um, through this past year. And with that, I'll transition it to Hannah Ortega
2: Cool. Thanks, Manny. Um, so for those of y'all who don't know me, I am Hannah Ortega. I've been a part of DNC since 2015. So we were still going to the MLK Center then. Um, but I'll be talking to you guys about relationship between discipleship and mentorship. So just gonna define specifically what we mean by that. Like these words are pretty interchangeable and they can be easily confused. So when I mean discipleship, I mean making disciples. And when I say mentorship, I mean maturing disciples. Um, So there comes a point in our lives that in order for us to grow, we need to seek out a mentor. Like for example, I studied film in college and I knew the basics, but I wanted to get into like full-time wedding videography. And in order to challenge, to like learn and to grow in that specific field, I had to go find a mentor to guide me down that professional path. So they know things that I don't, they've made mistakes that I can learn from, and they have experiences that will give me an edge as I move forward. And the same goes for our ministry. If we want to grow in our relationship with God, it makes a lot of sense to seek out a mentor who can point us to Christ, guide us in the specific areas we are questioning, and share their experiences and their personal walk with the Lord with us. So how is discipleship different than mentorship? They are very similar. Discipleship is mainly helping someone come to know Jesus and mentorship comes into play when someone already knows Jesus and is learning from someone to get to know Jesus for the long-term for years to come. So in discipleship, we walk side by side, kind of in the same direction. And then in mentorship, the mentor is usually a few steps ahead of us, giving us advice. So um, I'd like to take a second to kind of distinguish the difference between friendship and mentorship. So put simply, you develop friendships from the people you like to hang around and they don't always require deep interaction to spend time together. Um, Similarly, mentorships can have a foundation of friendship but don't always have to be that way. So mentorships have a lot of intentionality behind them and we need to use discernment when it comes to deciding who our mentor will be. They can be short-term if we need help with a specific thing, or they can be long-term, maybe years at a time. I think generally mentors are people who have more experience in the area we are seeking growth in. So what does discipleship look like in our church? Our, the side effects of COVID have challenged the way we go about our spiritual growth for sure. So um, what does this look like for DNC right now in regards to mentorship and discipleship? So, according to the survey results, uh, we asked a question for you guys that said, are you currently being mentored by someone? 51.3% of you said on the survey that you are being mentored by someone and half of those were within DNC and then the other half were outside of DNC. So, that's really awesome. Keep it up. We were really glad to see that. Um, There were about half of the people who filled out the survey who said they do not have a mentor or are currently not mentoring someone. I know this doesn't accurately represent everyone in our congregation, um, but we really have to be honest with ourselves and ask why we aren't engaging more as a community to be discipled and to disciple others. Mm -hmm. So faith is not stagnant, faith is action and building relationships through intentional discipleship is one of the ways we can obey our father. Jesus calls us to disciple in the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 19 through 20. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We should be sincerely asking ourselves, is it my goal to be discipling someone else? Do I know what it looks like to be a disciple? What's holding me back from making disciples? So, as a church, what are we doing well? Half of us have mentors. That's really great. Half of us need to find mentors. So um, what Yeah, someone said jokingly, like they were mentored by God. <laughs> um, 35.9 of us have a mentor according to the survey. So that's good. And the rest of us should be exploring the responsibilities of mentorship and be asking a mentor or a small group leader what it's like to make and mature disciples. So as a small group leader, um, I've had to think through. Uh, if I know who is mentoring the folks in my group with Ryan and I. So, like as small group leaders, how much time should we be thinking about who is mentoring our small group members? Um, so, now I'd like to give y'all some encouragements about discipleship and mentorship during the pandemic. Um, it's still possible to be intentional, it just may look a little different. If you're comfortable with meeting in person, um, do that, just be safe. But if you're not, we have FaceTime, we have Snapchat, we have Zoom, um, or just a regular smuggler phone call. (laughs) Um, Having a mentor or being a mentor is actually really fun. So get to know each other because growth doesn't have to be boring. Discipleship is exciting because we get to draw closer to the Lord with someone else who knows us and loves us. So I made three steps (laughs) towards making and maturing disciples. First, you have to recognize that this is something you want to do. Do you want to grow? Do you want to help others grow? Is that desire to grow greater than the desire to be comfortable until the pandemic passes? Second, pray and ask God about the desire to have a mentor or to be a mentor or both. Do you know anyone in our community or outside our church who wants to grow closer to the Lord? Would you like to do that with them? Find someone in our church to mentor. And if you can't, find peers to do discipleship with, like one-on-ones or be more active in your LTG. Or are you the one that wants to grow? Who will you to, Who will you talk to about that? And lastly, ask to schedule a regular time to meet up and actually do it come with questions, read scripture together, and share life together. It can look like many things. Just think of how Jesus ministered uniquely to each of his 12 disciples. Everyone is very different and not one mentorship looks exactly the same. So just like Manny said, look for the people who aren't doing as well and lift them up, encourage them, study the Bible with them, and live life with them. So I'd like to leave you with this last point. How will you make and impact this year spiritually. I'd like to challenge you to text anybody that came to mind while I was talking and have a discussion about discipleship. And if nobody came to mind, then think of somebody right now and text them right after I close this in a quick prayer. Okay. So, Lord Jesus, thank you that you are the best example we have. Thank you for being the best mentor of them all, and thank you for giving us a community that keeps us accountable and pushes us closer and closer to you. God, I pray that we would honestly seek to grow in you, that we would open our eyes to the rawness of our human condition and know that we need you each day. Help us notice those around us who are struggling in their walk with you. Give us the courage to bring everyone in our circle closer to you and give us a passion to minister outside our comfort zone to make immature disciples more than ever. It is in your name I pray. Amen. Thank you, guys.
3: Okay, I believe we're now moving into our time of worship. Um, So I'll start by recapping um, like what we're doing in our worship series right now. So the series goes from January to May. That's five months. And the goal is to tell the story of the gospel through our worship. So if you can imagine someone who has no familiarity with the story of the gospel, the goal is that they would come away at least knowing the basic shape of the story. And for those who are more familiar with the story already, it should give plenty of opportunities to reflect on it and uh, deepen our connection to God in and through that story. Um, A quick side note, we are planning to reintroduce uh, more music and singing together into our worship. If you are judging purely on what you're doing, you might think we're trying to completely get rid of it. (laughs) But we're not. We are. uh, Hopefully next week we'll start uh, doing some singing together kind of stuff. Um, But back to the series. So, yeah, five months. January this month is creation. Uh, That's like the theme of it. And then February, our theme is the fall. March is the incarnation and death of Christ. April is the resurrection and Pentecost in May. We don't really have it named yet, but it's kind of like the age to come, new heaven, new earth, um, kind of the promises that aren't yet fulfilled and that we're still looking forward to. Um, So that's what we're doing with our worship series. Um, And like I said, this month is we're focusing on creation. And this week, our sub theme within that is creation is not merely a fact about the past. God is still creating through us. Um, and so to explain what, like, why we wanted to emphasize that, um, I want to use the word deism. If you don't know that word, it's a good one to look up and just ponder for a while because it's a philosophical idea that has a really deep impact in our culture and shapes the way that we think. Um, it's D-E-I-S-M. I think most people know it, but it's for those who don't. Um, it's basically the idea that God created everything, way back in the past, set everything up moving and then left creation alone. Um, so he's not involved anymore. Um, the kind of iconic image to explain it is a a watchmaker. So a watchmaker gets all the materials and forces and machinery just perfect to set things in motion. And then he winds up the watch and then leaves the watch behind, um, which is a really different image from the images in the Bible, like father Shepherd, stuff like that. Um, And so a deist would say, you know, I I believe in God, but I don't really, uh, I don't think that I know him. I don't think that he's that interested in me as an individual. I don't think he does miracles or is really very involved. Um, and that's just a huge influence in most of modern Western culture. Um, and from a Christian perspective, it's wrong. It is not biblical at all. And I think it can be a, a stumbling block to us trying to follow Jesus and relate to God. If we, uh, think in a a way that's more like deism um so yeah it can lead it's there's a technical belief in god like it uses god to explain things that are hard to explain without Him, but it leads to a practical atheism and so that's why for this week we're uh kind of reflecting on a christian view of it which is creation is not merely a fact about the past but god is still creating through us he's still actively involved in creation Um, so i'm going to screen share We're going to use uh, this image to whenever we uh, for this activity today. Um, I'll read through it real quick so that we can all kind of see it together. Um, so the prompt, creation is not merely a fact about the past. God is still creating through us. Um, and then we have two Bible verses that are kind of related to that prompt. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And then uh, in a minute, not yet, we're gonna break into uh, breakout rooms with smaller groups and we'll open with a prayer. And remember it's you know, multiple, multiple people can pray and don't think of it as just like a pray real quick before you start the real meeting, but think of the prayer as part of the substance of the worship time and what we're, what we're there for. And on these three uh, questions that we have, our normal three, uh, what does this say about the heart of God? What might God be saying to you or to our community? And what might it look like for you to respond to God in obedience? Um, In the past, in my breakout rooms, we've tended to do that like in order one at a time, which usually means we only talk about the first one and maybe a little bit of the second one. (laughs) And they're all so related that there's not really any need to do that. So I'd like for at least this week for us to, to try, like all three questions are on the table and we can talk about all of them kind of intermingled so maybe the first thing anyone says is about question three for example and that's fine Um, so you might have been wondering why there's like a weird jar of something in a glass (laughs) on that picture Um, and that's because melissa colini has prepared thoughts uh, prepared and advanced thoughts (laughs) for us on this and uh she's sharing about how i asked her to ask the question how do you see yourself or the chemistry community at large as uh, involved in creating with God. Um, and so she's going to share how she sees these truths kind of tied into the mundane day-to-day stuff that she does as a working in chemistry. Um, and so that'll give us an example of how you can see these truths connected to your daily life. So Melissa's going to share, and then we'll, I'll put that image on the screen for a little bit and we'll just reflect on it um, in silence for a minute or two. And then we'll go into breakout rooms, breakout rooms to discuss. You can relate it to your day job or to what you do in your free time or relationships. Like it, it doesn't have to be work like Melissa's sharing, but um, it can be. So without further ado, take it away, Melissa.
4: Yay. Um, I just want you guys to know that I agreed to this thinking I would be doing the worship without first. And so I've been low-key nervous, all church service. Grant tricked me. Okay. Um, so whenever he asked me this question, how do I see myself co-creating with God through chemistry? I thought of sort of two aspects of chemistry. And one is um, like there's scientific discovery. And then the other is there's sort of new inventions through science. Those are kind of my two avenues. I think scientific discovery, we sometimes think of as something as a past. That's not always true. And these two things sort of go hand in hand in my mind. But when I think about scientific discovery, that to me is we get to explore God's creation as his creatures. Okay, so like, all the job of a scientist is who's learning about science is learning about God's creation, which is incredible. And as we learn about it and share what we've learned with other people, we're creating new knowledge for people to build future discoveries on. And I think that's so beautiful and so incredible. And of course, there's going to be some flaws in that because it's touched by human hands, just like every single thing that humans hands touch. So science isn't always perfect, but it is an exploration of God's creation. So it is really beautiful. And I sometimes will just sit and think about how organized the periodic table is (laughs) or how well electrons work together. And that is incredible to me. Like that is God's work that we get to understand as scientists and share with other people. And as a teacher, it's literally my job to talk about God's creation. Like I don't get to frame it that way, but that's what I'm doing. So that is really cool. And then on the other side of that is new creations through science. So we get to take all of the things that we've learned about God's world and use that to make new things that will enhance our lives on this planet, on the earth that he created. And so... You know, I worked in labs that worked on making better resources to use God's resources that he gave us, you know, so better solar p- panels to use the energy that comes from the sun that God made, or people make life-saving medicine with chemistry or people make Tylenol with chemistry which you guys all benefit from all the time. You know? And literally what we're doing in those labs is manipulating molecules. We are breaking bonds and making bonds. We are manipulating at the molecular level what is going on to make something new. And that's almost like a superpower. Like that is on par with God in creation. And it is incredible. Um, I cannot tell you, there are times I literally just stop and think about what we're doing in a science lab and I am worshiping God. Like he let me do this. This is so cool. Um, so, and one thing I wanted to show you that picture of that borosil glass thing, there's even cool chemistry in the glass container, but we won't talk about that today. Um, but in the little round bottom flask is, uh, you see like a green teal substance and I am just going to hold up a picture. Here's another picture of it. Can you see very well on my phone? So I'm going to share my notes. So the, um, this is another picture of that same material um, it's a teal colored compound that's used for solar panels. Sorry, the dogs are out here being crazy. And so we literally use this to make better and more efficient solar panels. And then when it's dried and it's not dissolved in something anymore, it is this red glitter color, which is literally like so beautiful to me. And how is that the same thing that when it's dissolved, it's this teal color. And when it's not dissolved, it's literally looks like red glitter. And it not only is beautiful to look at, but also it is useful for harnessing the sun that God gave us to make energy to power our earth. So that is um, how I really see that God lets us co-create in science with him and how I see that he's really letting us explore his creation and make new knowledge and understanding about his creation through science. And I love it so much. And uh, I'll talk to you about this for probably an hour if I could. But Grant told me I had three minutes and I think it's already been like five. So <laughs> I'll stop now. But um, that was my response to that question.
3: Thanks, Melissa. That's great. Um, yeah, if, if you haven't thought much about this and if you don't feel your job is very cool, um, don't feel bad about that if it's like i don't know i'm a cashier at some lame grocery store or something it can be harder to see the connection to these truths it's not that they're not there i think for most jobs um but sometimes it takes a good amount of like reflection to get through all the boredom and cynicism that we have to see um like the beauty and goodness and how god is involved in our daily lives Um, and sometimes it takes time so don't feel like bad if you don't know how to answer that about like your job you know um So with all that said, I'll uh, share this image some more. So this has everything that goes into our breakout rooms we're about to do. And we're actually going to send you into the breakout rooms with this image, a link to it so you can see it. Um, So, yeah, we'll just reflect on this in silence for a minute or two and then we'll break into rooms. So just everyone knows, I do believe that's the last thing we're doing in our service today. So feel free to hang out and chat. but Other than that, you're dismissed.